Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I'm here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. Are you ready? All right. Hello, everyone. Hope everyone had a great holiday, Christmas, Hanukkah, Sunday, if you're not a Christmas person. <laughs> um, just a good day in general and good weekend. Um, I definitely did with family and friends, and as you can tell by my voice, I had the flu all last week, and I my voice is still recovering. I am feeling much better, but my voice apparently doesn't want to go back to normal, so I sound like I'm still sick. I'm fine, though. Anyway, <laughs> um, today's topic is ponytail palm, so we're going to dive right into it. This is a very deceiving name for this plant, and it looks deceiving even because of its name. That's why it was kind of labeled. So, ponytail palms are not actually palms. They are in the Asparagaceae family, which usually I reveal later. I know, crazy. But that kind of explains that, honestly, these are semi-succulent plants. So, I actually put these in the category in my succulent podcast. Obviously, they, the Asparagaceae family is not a succulent variety or family in the succulent family, but these are semi-succulent because that giant base of it holds water. So these character, characteristically have these giant bulbous base, which is actually called a caldex, and it looks like it has a giant ponytail of leaves coming out of the top of it and a little stem. And that is why these are called the ponytail palm. Most of the time, these are called ponytail palm, but they can, are considered elephant foot and bottle palm as well, strictly based on how they look. So, the name of it is only how it looks, not its actual characteristics. So, its Latin name is Bocarnia recurvata. It can commonly be found also as Nolina recurvata as well. Every website I have found does label it as Bocarnia recurvata but it does list it as a potential being called the Nolina as well. So that's just like to keep that in mind if for some reason you're at a plant shop and they label things all in Latin name, it could be coming as either one of those. Most of the time you're only going to find these labeled as ponytail palm. But these are very pretty plants. I used to have one years ago. Um, I had a lot of mealybug issues with mine, which is it was very early in the houseplant obsession phases. It was at the like year end of the garden center where house plants are either given away or sold for really cheap. I I just took one home at that point and I had it in kind of a low light situation. It got mealybugs. I didn't take the time to really watch it and consider what I needed to do to kind of take care of it. So, I just gave up on it. But the pictures you'll find on my website and in the post and everything will actually be my friend Sierra's plant. So thank you for letting me use your plant, Sierra and Kendall. Thank you for taking the pictures. <laughs> um, so she bought one of these actually at Ikea. I was with her like three or four years ago, maybe. Maybe it was closer to three years ago. And it's still doing really well and it's still grown. So I had her take pictures. Well, Kendall took the pictures, but I had them take pictures of it so I could use them because the plant still looks great. So, ponytail palm, like I said, it has dark green long leaves that resemble kind of a ponytail. All leaves come from one spot, unless there's a multi-stem ponytail because those do exist as well. Most of the time, you're going to find them as like one plant though, one singular thing. And it looks like at the top of the so-called stem, all of the leaves come out of that one spot 
and then it comes out from there making it look like a giant ponytail. Kind of like when you have your hair on the top of your head and all of a sudden you could just make like a little cap out of your hair. That's how it feels. That's what this plant is. Now, below the hair and the leaves, there is a stem. Kind of looks like a bottleneck, which is commonly called why sometimes it's called bottle palm. And then below that, it kind of fans out into what looks like an elephant foot. Not even joking. So that's why it's also called elephant foot sometimes. So that bulbous part is called the caudex. That is actually where it stores water, which is why this plant is so deceiving. So where it stores water is the reason why this is a semi-succulent-like plant. So this plant does actually not need a lot of water, and it doesn't need as much water as you would think. In fact, several of my sources, even websites that I looked up, said the most common way this plant dies, in winter specifically, is being overwatered. So this is a very low water plant, which in my opinion overall makes this a low-maintenance houseplant, but I, I don't think because of the lighting situation, I don't think it is. So let's actually dive into the lighting requirements here. So most of the time, this plant needs to be in the most light you can give it. So typically, bright indirect light or even direct sunlight, if you have it, would be preferred. South window, west window, like we talked about in the last podcast episode explaining light, those are going to be your best windows for this. If you need to reference that, the blog post is a great place to reference it. I attached it in this blog post too. So south or west window or grow light, obviously, if you don't have that kind of lighting. But I say that, but medium light still does okay with this plant. So for example, my friend Sierra currently has this like on a top shelf, just away from a bright indirect window. So it gets about medium light and it, it's doing fine. They are slow growers to begin with. So you're not going to get a really fast growth out of this. It's mostly just going to be sit and enjoy kind of thing. I think the plant is leaning a little bit because of the light, but it's such a slow growth, it barely leans. So it can still do okay in medium light as well. It will just grow to obviously its fullest potential in a bright indirect light or direct sunlight. Also, I know, keep in mind, now direct sunlight indoors is very different than direct sunlight outdoors. So you have it in a south window indoors and then you move it to like a south position on your house outdoors, it may burn. I think we've gone over that a few times, but I always like to throw that out there. Just be cautious of that. It's not that the plant won't come back. It will still continue to grow leaves. It won't kill it. It will damage the leaves and the foliage with that burn. So just be cautious when you're moving it to just be careful moving it outside. Do it gradually. Put it in a little bit of shade. Kind of like inch it into the sun where you can just go for it. And I say good luck. <laughs> okay, so moral of the sunlight story. As much light as you can give it is best, but it can handle medium light. All right, let's move into water requirements. <laughs> I know we talked about this a little bit earlier, but that bulbous bottom or that caldex is what it's called, holds water. So you don't actually need to water as much as you think you would because of the foliage it has. I know it is deceiving, but if you actually touch those leaves, they're really, really thick too. So they're not like your normal like house plant, like peacefully or monstera leaf. They're a lot thicker. I'll explain that a little bit later. But because of that base of it, that elephant looking foot base of it, it holds a ton of water. So I would consider this a low water plant and watering when it's dry. Because if you keep watering when it's wet still, it's going to overwater it over time. So I would also reduce the watering in winter as you really have to do with all house plants. They're not working as hard, so they're not using as much water. So you're going to be reducing watering in winter too. 
but I would just water only when this plant is dry. I got conflicting instructions from my books and online, but in my experience, my plant was doing really, really well and I was only watering it when it was dry when I had it. The only reason it had a downfall was insects. Currently, I'm pretty sure Sierra, last time I talked to her, she only waters it when it's dry as well. If you really don't know when your plant is dry, you could get a moisture meter reader. Or another good option is if you tend to be an overwaterer, putting it in more of a porous pot like a terracotta pot can help reduce the amount of moisture that is in the soil on your plant because the pot will absorb the moisture. Unlike a plastic pot where it's just going to keep the soil wet, the pot itself in a terracotta pot will absorb the moisture as well, which tends to be my downfall. I tend to overwater things and most of my plants are in terracotta pots. So you'd think I'd learn, but no. Anyways, so low water and I would keep it at that. And then if you need help, the moisture meter reader is the best. Sometimes once you get the hang of it, picking up the pot, if it's not too heavy, obviously, you can kind of feel, oh, I just watered it. This is how it feels. And then you can kind of see, oh, it's been a couple weeks, lift it up. It's really dry. You can kind of measure based off of how it feels as well. Now, if you have a ton of plants like me, picking up every single pot would be kind of a pain. So the moisture meter reader, when you're not sure, is super helpful because you can just stick it in there and it will tell you. So the other fun thing about this that keeps it low maintenance is that it does not need a lot of humidity at all, if any whatsoever. So they prefer low humidity. It doesn't say no humidity. It says low humidity on all sources. But there were a couple websites that listed that it doesn't need the humidity to really thrive. So either way, I don't keep it at any humidity. Sierra doesn't either when I had mine. And then Sierra currently doesn't have hers next to a humidifier or in a humid area. She does live on like a third floor, so it's a little warmer in her apartment, um, but not really high humidity at all. So, in which totally makes sense if you're considering this plant more of like a succulent-like plant, because succulents like dry conditions. So, this, this that totally makes sense with that understanding too. Okay, moving on to fertilizer. I always say there are a ton of ways to fertilize None of them are really wrong, in my opinion, unless you're over-fertilizing. So, under-fertilizing in some situations, obviously, you're not letting your plant grow to its fullest, but I would rather have you under than over-fertilize. So, I currently use Fox Farms Grow Big Liquid Fertilizer, but I normally fertilize maybe every two weeks or so when I water my plants. And I really start February through October is when I notice my growth slowing down, which is when I cut the fertilizing down a lot more. And then I usually only fertilize like one more time in winter Um, during the months of basically November through January. I only fertilize one more time. And then I always put a couple other sources if I can find them of what they list. So I do have two other great sources what they list for fertilizing. So the Complete Houseplant Survival Manual says in spring and summer feed monthly with a balanced houseplant fertilizer. In fall and winter do not feed. So it recommends fertilizing monthly a little bit less and then in fall and winter not feeding at all. It's just not necessary, which makes sense also because this plant is so slow growing. The Practical Houseplant book lists apply a half strength liquid fertilizer once a month in spring and summer. Basically the exact same instructions. So I would say the once a month thing 
is based on the instructions of the fertilizer too. So if you have a fertilizer that lasts like several months, you would use like a half strength and then leave it on there for several months. But for me, my fertilizer actually recommends weekly fertilizing. So every two weeks makes sense to me just because I'd rather under fertilize. And ponytail palms don't need as much fertilizer as some other plants because they're just not as fast growing. So again, fertilizing, always up to you. Just read the packaging carefully and really make good judgment for your house plants. Sometimes if you're buying like an annual or perennial fertilizer, that's a little bit more potent than a houseplant fertilizer. So that's why most of these sources and websites you check always recommend using like half strength or a percentage strength of the recommended amount of fertilizer. All right, let's get into the other facts. All right, so obviously I listed it earlier. This is part of the Asparagaceae family, and it is actually native to parts of Mexico and South America. Um, most of my sources said Mexico, a couple of them said South America. So most of them did say Mexico. And then natively, these can grow, I found a range of heights. Most places said around 15 feet, but in the right conditions, it could get over that. So they are like little palm trees, like smaller palm trees with just like really weird bulbous bases to them that get kind of get a normal trunk the higher up you go. So the leaves are, they look really smooth. They can be really long as they mature. They can get up to five feet long and they're usually typically pretty thin um, widthwise. But what you don't see, but what you feel when you touch them is they are actually serrated. So they have tiny, I guess what looks like um, the edge of a saw if you really, really look closely. And I think I saw a picture on UW Wisconsin's uh, horticulture extension website. Um, I think they had a picture up on there. It was more of a microscopic view because they're super tiny, but you can feel that it's kind of like sharp, like it has a really hard edge to it. That's what it feels like, but it is serrated. So you might pick up the plant. You might want to like stroke the plant. It will not feel good. It almost feels like you're about to have a paper cut, but you're not going to, <laughs> if that makes sense. So these are more of a look, don't touch plant. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to really harm you. They do feel sharp, though. The whole edge of the leaf does. And the, the leaves are the main thing that covers the whole plant, obviously, because of that nice ponytail look to it. So it's deceiving in multiple ways, including the look of it. So it looks so soft and it's not. Um, the bulbous base, as it matures, does actually get wider and taller. Totally depends on the environment, though. If it's a really dry environment, it's probably going to get a little bit bigger because it needs to store more water, all that good stuff. Um, just depends on where it's growing, how it's growing, that good stuff. I did actually see a, a helpful piece of advice in a couple of my sources that recommended replanting. So I know I don't talk about this much, but this is kind of a weird plant because of the bulbous base of it. So I thought I would let you know that one of the sources actually recommends repotting when the bulb of the base of it is just a couple inches from the edge of the pot. So most of the time it's root growth, but the bulbous base I think gives a good indication of where the root growth is. So that was interesting. The other fun thing about this plant is as a house plant, sadly, you will not see this thing bloom, but in nature, natively, it actually really does have a really pretty showy cream, white, almost yellow 
flower cluster that can literally reach up to like three feet tall in mature plants. So it actually looks very similar to a yucca flower, but the actual flowers are a lot smaller depending on the type of yucca you're looking at. But in a yucca plant, usually there's a cool looking almost agave like plant at the base and then there's just like a really big stalk with a giant flower cluster at the top. It's very similar to what the flower cluster on a ponytail palm looks like. If you want to see it, go look it up. It's really cool. The other great thing about this plant is it's actually not toxic to pets at all. And if you're interested in learning more, I do have the podcast episode in the blog attached. It's podcast episode 31. But overall, hope you guys liked all the information about ponytail palm. I think overall, I think these guys are low maintenance. I think the sunlight is to me the high maintenance part of this plant just because they do need more sunlight. But the lack of water, lack of humidity, and really lack of fertilizer makes this a low maintenance houseplant overall. So I think as long as you have medium to bright light, this plant's good. I would also recommend maybe monitoring this plant because there's so many nooks and crannies within the ponytail part of this plant. Just making sure you're watching out for scale and mealybugs. That was called out a couple times in sources and I experienced the mealybugs myself. Just treating it ahead of time using a systemic granular and just cleaning out the plant, getting that dust out to just help prevent that in general. So, Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening to episode 73 of Houseplant Homebody, all about the ponytail. Don't forget to check out the blog post that corresponds with this episode. If you go to houseplant-homebody.com and go to the blog page, you'll find it there. Also, don't forget to find me at Houseplant Homebody LLC on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Make sure you're rating, reviewing, and sharing this podcast, along with liking, saving, and commenting on social media. Odds are, if you like this podcast, someone else will too. I love to hear what you've learned from this episode or really anything that I'm doing and your plant experiences, so please share them with me because I love it. Also, you can help support your favorite podcast by joining me on my Become a Supporter website page to get exclusive podcast episodes, access to a supporter-only Facebook group, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. Your support means the world to me, and I'm super excited to keep bringing you plant bios and information. Also, don't forget to check back every other Tuesday for the brand new episode and blog post. From one houseplant homebody to another, see you next time. Well, hello. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. It's definitely a low-maintenance plant. Um, And I've been wanting to get another one myself, but obviously I have so many plants. And I have been looking to do new plants, not necessarily ones I have tackled before. Um, Because of the mealybugs, that was the only reason I no longer have this plant. And obviously my lack of experience way back when. I just haven't had the motivation to get them now because I've just been experimenting. And that plant was such a low-maintenance plant, I could pick it up and get it and probably have no problem with it in the future. But that was a fun episode. Um, it came up in most of the books I have, which is even great. Most of them said the exact same thing. So that really concludes of how easy this plant really is. So the next episode is going to be fun. It's actually going to be Wisconsin Illinois Plant Shops Part 2. So I know I did another one way early on. And I think it was last, it was September in 2021 that I did that 
last episode. So I'm going to do a part two and I'm going to do and I'm going to continue doing this too. I know there's plant shops that have reached out to me asking to include them and be part of it. If I haven't gone there, I will not review it and I will not put them in the blog posted podcast episode, but I will continue doing these. I hopefully I would do them sooner together than how far I have waited this time around, but there's so many good plants to do, you know? So that will be the next podcast episode. Um, I hope everyone had a great holiday. I know I did. I spent time with my father-in-law and my sister, my mom, my aunt, uh, my nieces, my brother-in-law. Um, we did a friend's thanksmas in December. Um, I, As you can hear, as I said in the beginning, I had the flu though. So that last week of work before the holiday was rough. I had to take like two sick days of like the four days of the week that we had to work, unfortunately. So um my voice is recovering, but I'm fine. Um, and then in the new year, I'm hoping to really get more into house my home. I know I kind of took a longer extended break with the wedding and kind of just with the holidays and just needing to slow down and take a step back for a little bit, but I'm excited to get going. Obviously, I got the iPad for myself for Christmas and I've been doing some designs already, which is really fun. Um, so that's really exciting and I'm hoping maybe this year will be the year for some fun merch or other things like that. So we'll see how that goes, but yeah, if you guys have questions about the next podcast episode or recommendations, please let me know. I'd love to hear about it. Um, I kind of have the places picked out, but I do have a highlight on my story that calls out places around the world, honestly. So if you live anywhere and you have a specific plant shop or even an online plant shop, please let me know. I, these are for Wisconsin, Illinois plant shops only just because that's where I am kind of centrally located in Milwaukee. I'm really close to Chicago. So a lot of times in Chicago, Madison area, even um, there's a lot of plant shops around us. So I've just been doing those recommendations. But in that week, I would like to recommend other plant places as well wherever you live. So please let me know. I would like to include them in my stories so I can put them in my highlights, so on and so forth. So hope you guys have a wonderful week and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.